Welcome to Perfectly Imperfect, a podcast on mental health for folks of color. I'm your host, John Zell Anderson, licensed professional counselor. I'm the owner of Panoramic Counseling, where I specialize in treating teens and young adults in Richmond, Virginia, and throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia through online counseling. Let's get into the show. I'm excited to do a collaboration. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce myself since this is going to be cast on two different podcasts. So my name is John Zell Anderson, and my podcast is called Perfectly Imperfect, a podcast on mental health for folks of color. Today, I am collaborating with Tiffany Young. Tiffany, go ahead and introduce yourself and the name of your podcast. Thank you, John Zell, for this, doing this collaboration. It's always a pleasure. My name is Tiffany Young. I am the host of Truth Talks with Tiff. And today we are going to be talking about the uh, sentencing of Jesse Smollett um, and kind of some of the nuances of that case. Before we get into that conversation, I want to play the sound clip um, of the judge actually handing down the sentencing. So let's listen to that first. Somehow you strayed away from your family values. You let that dark, narcissistic, selfish, and arrogant side come out. And you persisted with it for years on this case. I'm fashioning the following sentence. And here's your sentence. I'm sentencing you to 30 months felony probation. And the probation is going to be to this court. You will pay restitution to the city of Chicago in the amount of $120,106. You are fined. $25,000, which is the maximum fine, and you will spend the first 150 days of your sentence in the Cook County Jail. I'm not suicidal. Okay. I am not suicidal. I am innocent, and I am not suicidal. If I did this, then it means that I stuck my fist in the fears of black Americans in this country for over 400 years and the fears of the LGBTQ community. Your Honor, I respect you, and I respect the jury, but I did not do this. And I am not suicidal. And if anything happens to me when I go in there, I did not do it to myself. I am not suicidal. I am not suicidal. And I am innocent. I could have said that I was guilty a long time ago. Okay, so y'all heard it for yourselves. Um, This is kind of how this entire story ended. Um, I'm going to have Tiffany kind of give a synopsis of what this case is, just in case you don't know. Um, uh, what we're talking about. We want to give you a little background so that you know why this is so important and why we're talking about it. But for the purposes of my podcast, I obviously focus on mental health uh, in communities of color. The reason I think that this topic is relevant on my podcast is because this case encompasses a a couple of different things that I've talked about a lot, which is um, there's homophobia, There is the issue of racism, but also there's the involvement of law enforcement. So all of those different things are at play here. And as far as I'm concerned, those issues very much impact mental health uh, for folks of color and those who uh, identify as LGBTQ+. So Tiffany, give us a synopsis of this um, Jesse Smollett case, like what happened and how it kind of led to the sentencing. Okay, so a lot of us were introduced to uh, Jesse Smollett through Empire. Uh, His family is very, yes, that was my show. His family was very well-known and is still well-known in the entertainment industry. He has a sister that's very well-known. Her name is Journey Smollett. And a lot of us knew more about Journey um, in the past until Empire came. So, with that said, in January of 2019, I believe it's towards the end of January, Jesse started receiving racist and homophobic threatening letters at the studio in Chicago where Empire was being filmed. So, he let the police know about this. And a few days later, in January, January 29th, 2019, he told police he was attacked by two men in downtown Chicago at 2 a.m. And he said that the men used racist and homophobic slurs and wrapped a rope around his neck. And also he told the police that they poured an unknown substance on him. He also explained to 
detectives later that MAGA country was yelled at him as a reference to former President Donald Trump, make America great again campaign slogan. And of course, once everybody heard of that, it was, it, there was a lot of public outrage because we had been in a lot of racial turmoil during that time. Like we were dealing with so many different cases and it just brought back a lot of those thoughts and feelings to the forefront for a lot of people, especially people of color. And then in, at the end of um, January, his family released a statement about his attack and it being a hate crime. And at that same time, Jesse started changing his story. So people were beginning to give him a side eye, like, what's really going on here? And then in um, February, the police picked up two brothers and they were come like they found out that they were actually actors who had worked on Empire, and they weren't as I didn't know that part. Yes, know that part. they had worked on Empire. I believe I don't know if it was both of them, but at least one of them had worked on Empire, and they were coming back to Chicago from Nigeria. So the brothers had just returned to Chicago from Nigeria. And they came to their apartment to find it being searched. And they were picked up by the police, of course, once they returned to their apartment. Then the police uh, released the brothers without charges after they were questioned for the suspicion of assault because they matched the men that were in the video because the police had gone through hours and hours and hours of footage. But then after the brothers were questioned during a follow-up interview, the investigation shifted towards Jesse isn't telling the truth. And new information came out that portrayed this as a hoax attack. So when that happened, uh, the top prosecutor in Chicago, Cook County State Attorney Kim Fox, was put on the case. But there was a conflict of interest because she was very familiar with the Smollett family. So she rescued herself from the investigation, which means she let she put in a formal notice to let them know that she wouldn't be able to be a part of the investigation because of her close ties to the family. So prosecutors then ended up charging Smollett with, distor with disorderly conduct for filing a false police report. So at this point, they know that he's staged this attack. Then yeah. uh, throughout 2019, they were just going back and forth um, with his false reporting, um, different attorneys um, trying the case. And charges were dropped in 2019, but then charges were picked back up again towards the end of 2019 because it was suspicious as to why his charges were dropped. A lot of people are questioning, like, why did it seem like the case went away and then it popped back up again? That's why, because the prosecutors questioned why the charges against Smollett were, were dropped. Yeah, and that makes sense because I know... <clears throat> Like you said, I was a, I'm a fan of the show Empire, except the way they ended it was a little bit rushed and they need to um, come back and fix that, in my opinion. But on to the topic at hand, right? I saw the videos because they have like video evidence of like four days before the attack. Uh, like they have photo evidence of like, uh, Jesse's car like going into an alley uh, to meet the, the brothers beforehand kind of like to to plan and like do like a trial run of the situation um, ev there's video evidence to basically support the these brothers who said that this was a hoax and that they were hired to kind of do this thing um, and so 
you know, as somebody who's a fan of the show, at first when I heard about the attack, right, like we're all like kind of shook and we're like, wow, this this stuff is really happening. But as the evidence came back out it to show that, hey, this this is not um, what it was made to seem to be. I mean, the, sh- uh, the they put him off of Empire, um, obviously, because of the the controversy surrounding it and stuff like that. But um, in the end, it was like a lot of people, especially, you know, people of color, um, you know, we really had true empathy and concern and, you know, um, of course, were outraged this had happened, but wanted this to be used as a teachable moment about the injustices that uh, black and brown people and folks on the LGBTQ spectrum really face. Um, but as time went on, it really, I, I feel like it set a lot of things back. W- would you say that, Tiffany? Definitely. Because we we were at a time when we were in the midst of dealing with so much racial tension. And then to have this case come out and everybody initially is like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Here we go again. And then it comes out that it's a hoax. It makes everything else seem like, where did we, where did we, what's the word I'm looking for? Where did we go wrong when it comes to like the the public outrage? It makes it seem like it's so performative because like everybody was so angry when we found out about Jesse Smollett being attacked by these men and what he said was racial and homophobic and to come to find out that it was not true that he staged the whole thing it made everything else that we have you know protested against seem like it was just performative it's if kind that of that sense. that concept of the boy that cried wolf you know um, yes for every um instance where because i mean it it, you don't have to look hard on the internet to see like instances of whether it's with law enforcement or whether it's just racism in general you don't have to look very hard to find it um the political climate you know we got to think back uh 2019 this was uh donald trump was still president and during that four years, we saw many steps backward as far as progress is concerned. So we're already in this like tumultuous, like political environment. And, you know, then in that environment created a, a situation where these marginalized uh, groups such as, you know, black and brown people, but also LGBTQ plus people uh, felt unsafe in this country. Um, And so it really um, took, you know, for all of the, the, the protesting, the advocacy, the, um, you know, things that were being done to bring this stuff to light in such a tumultuous time, this felt like it took, it sucked a lot of energy out of that movement. And then for those, You know, um, when you're on the margins, you don't really get a bunch of opportunities to make a mistake or to um, uh, save face, right? Like, it's kind of like if something goes against that momentum, you really have to, it's hard to recoup. So because he identified, you know, he's a, a gay man and he's black, it made all of those legitimate cases look bad. So now you're, you know, um, straight um, uh, white demographic. There are people who are going to look at it like, oh, see, black people make stuff up. And it, it exactly. seems it seems like, OK, this is overly generalizing. But because he had fame, mm-hmm. he had this took more uh, of a spotlight than it would if it was like, you or I, Tiffany, right? Um, Right. And so if, you know, had this been a real thing, it would have been an example where, okay, you have this platform, talk about how this happened to you. um, And let's use this, you know, tragic example 
to make lasting change, right? But when it's manufactured, it undermines the entire foundation of what we're... Because there's plenty of real hate crimes going on. We don't need to be making up, you know. um, Exactly, exactly. And the judge... um, Go ahead. No, I was just saying it really diminished the credibility of actual hate crimes that occur because a lot of times there are people that try to say, well, you're looking for something that's not there. You're, you're making these things up. And then for that to actually be made up when there are actual hate crimes that aren't made up, Mm -hmm. that just made it like laughable. Like, see, what do we tell you all? You all are looking for things that really aren't there and it is there. Yeah. It's kind of like, it it set us back. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, in a similar vein, you know, something really controversial would be like the the Me Too movement and like the sexual harassment and rape, um, you know, claims that come forward. Um, there have been instances where, um, you know, say a high profile person is uh, people are coming forward, right, um, to say like, hey, this happened to me. But in all of those situations, there's usually a handful of people who have no evidence or anything like that. And they've kind of just jumped on the bandwagon. It, right. And because of, you know, the few that are untruthful in those sorts of circumstances, the next person who is actually a victim, they have to go through the uh not being believed because that it's kind of like a few bad apples like spoil the whole uh situation that's kind of like what happens in this and the same thing happened in this um you know uh Jesse Smollett case and i pulled a quote um it wasn't in the sound clip that i played but um something that the judge said that i thought um kind of uh consolidates what we've just been talking about um, was really good. So I'm going to share that quote. He said, you took some of the scabs off some healing wounds and you ripped them apart. And for one reason, you wanted to make yourself more famous, end quote. What are your thoughts on that, Tiffany? The judge was speaking so much truth right there. I really like the way that he peeled back the layers. Like when he, instead of just giving the sentence, he really uh, let just Jesse know like how disappointed he was. And that really portrayed like how a lot of Americans feel, not even just Amer- but people of color, uh, people that were really invested in standing behind Jesse at the beginning, initially, before it came out that this was all staged, how we felt, like how we feel, knowing that he used a movement, something so personal and used it to his own advantage to leverage himself in his career. Definitely. To use something, he, he used something that he knew he, he knew that with his platform, being an actor on Empire, having this fame, he knew that this attack, staging this attack would boost his career to exponential levels. Because I, th- I think it was like a few weeks after all this happened, he was asked to open up a concert because he is a singer as well. I remember so that. So he wasn't he wasn't doing as as much singing as he was acting. So now here he goes with a boost with his singing career from this. And it was and like a it was like I remember it was like sold out in the way that it was set up to look like is like oh he went through this terrible thing. Look at how he how resilient he is. Look at how he's bounced back from this. Um, Mm -hmm. And then to find out after the fact, it's like, wow, you really like it's not even like disappointing to like the judge was white, I I believe, Um, you know, it's not even disappointing to those who can identify with the the minority um, groups represented in his case. But Mm -hmm. those of us of color, it's like, really? You really like. 
we have so much other like people who need to be brought to the forefront in unsolved cases and um mm -hmm. you know falsely incarcerated like you did all of this and you know made all of this commotion for something that wasn't even legitimate it's really a betrayal and people say that you know exactly. celebrities we put them on a pedestal and we hold them to too much regard and stuff like that but there is i mean i'm not saying that you know celebrities are responsible for you know fixing the world or anything like that but like you make grips of money off of your fame and stuff like that so part of that is you know with much you know what is it power comes much responsibility i don't know what the the saying is but like you basically yes. you're in the the public eye you do have a moral responsibility to you know use that to um to give back i mean um like you said you and i both we watch empire and um you know because we like that show we we really genuinely thought oh my goodness this person um has gone through this thing this is terrible and mm -hmm. you know uh and then for it all to have been a lie it's just it's a real big betrayal so sometimes people will be like oh we hold celebrities to too much you know uh they're human too and all of this stuff but it's it's different it's like when you have that platform you can do way much more damage um with your missteps and especially if it's an intentional misstep because it's one thing if you like talk out of the side of your neck and you upset people and they cancel you mm -hmm. or something it's a whole nother thing that you like orchestrated this um exactly it's vindictive so i think you wanted to get in uh to talk a little bit more about the narcissism right tiffany right so the judge and the case um i believe we played in the soundbite where he referred to jesse as a narcissist mm -hmm. and in the last few years I've, I've heard a lot of people use the term and they use it very casually but with you being a mental health professional, can you explain what narcissistic personality disorder is? And why do you think uh, we've come to a time where, where people will literally diagnose other people with it? That is a really good question. Um, so I must start this by saying I'm not <laughs> Jesse Smollett's uh, therapist, so I can't, you know, formally <coughs> give a diagnosis uh um, vicariously based on like news articles and stuff like that. However, um, as a therapist who, you know, is trained in, in mental health and stuff like that, I can give, um, some of the criteria. I actually have my DSM in, fr in front of me right now, and I have it open to narcissistic personality disorder. So whether, um, you know, Jesse Smollett meets the criteria for this or not, we'll let the listeners decide if what I'm about to describe from the DSM fits this particular case that I think that's a fair, um, thing to do. Right, Tiffany. Most definitely. Okay. So the DSM says that if you have five or more of the following traits, you might have narcissistic personality disorder. Now, any formal diagnosis, like you said, Tiffany, people want to throw around, oh, this one has this personality disorder or whatever. Influencers are not psych psychiatrists, psychologists, or therapists. They're not qualified to give a formal diagnosis. So um, it's annoying sometimes that people throw around these clinical terms um, and it isn't lined up. Even me, I'm a whole therapist, right? But I say I will not diagnose Jesse Smollett because I'm not his therapist. I haven't done an assessment of him. Um, I can just give information based off of what is generally known to the public, right? So the DSM says five or more of these symptoms has a grandiose sense of importance. Uh, this could be exaggerating your achievements, your talents, or expecting to be recognized or to be felt as superior um, because of those achievements. Another trait is being preoccupied with fantasies of unlimited success, power, brilliance, beauty, or ideal love. Um, 
believing that he or she is special and unique and can only be understood and should only associate with other special high-status people or institutions. Uh, The person requires excessive admiration. Um, They have a sense of entitlement, such as unreasonable expectations, um, wanting favorable treatment, um, and people to comply with his or her expectations. Another trait is that they can be um, socially or interpersonally exploitive, uh, exploitative, um, taking advantage of others to achieve their own, um, you know, gains. Uh, the person could also lack empathy, um, unwilling to recognize or identify with how their actions impact other people. Um, and it says also this person could uh, be envious of others and believes that others are envious of him or her. And the last uh, criterion is that they show uh, arrogance and haughty behaviors and attitudes. So the DSM, again, we're not diagnosing here, but I'm just giving you straight from the, the therapist Bible here. It says five or more of those traits could be indicative of somebody with narcissistic personality disorder. So out of what I just said, if you can find five of those things that apply to this case, make your own um, assumptions, audience. So did that answer your question, Tiffany? Most definitely. And I appreciate that you made it clear that even though you are a therapist, you are not Jesse's therapist. So you cannot clinically diagnose him with NPD. And like you said, a lot of influencers and people are just so like, they're so casual with throwing around these mental mental health terms to diagnose people, but they don't, they don't have the credentials to do that. And you as a therapist, you have it and you, and you're very like, cautious of even throwing those at people because you you aren't their therapist you don't you can't diagnose them without actually analyzing their behaviors and talking to them yourself definitely but i i just i definitely wanted to touch on that because when i heard the judge call call him a narcissist it, it made me think because i was uh, looking at a, a live on instagram and a person was you know diagnosing somebody with um I, th- I believe it was bipolar. And I was wondering to myself, I wonder how this person knows. And they're not a mental health professional and haven't actually been around the person. They were, di- they were actually diagnosing Kanye. Oh dear. Now, yeah, again, you know, I, I have another- some thoughts as a therapist uh, based on things I've seen and stuff like that, but I'm not Kanye's therapist. Um, I wouldn't have student loans if I was, um, but uh <laughs> You know, for someone who's not a mental health professional to speak on, okay, this is what this person has, or based off of this particular rant or this behavior that they had, this is what's going on. You got to remember when you see stuff in the media, it's a fragment. Um, And a, 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 a therapist or a psychologist or a psychiatrist who is a eligible to give these formal diagnoses. Side note, if you hear some background noise, my dog is just snoring away. He's like right next to the mic. So um, there's a little ambiance for you. Yeah, just snoring away. Um, But, you know, you really have to, um, it's not just a, oh, describe your symptoms. Cool. Here's a label, right? It's not something that's so flippant, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And so even as a therapist, I'm very cautious about giving a formal diagnosis, Um, you know, even to describe narcissism, I went to the book, you know, I've been in this field over six years, I went to the DSM, and I'm like, let me not speak off of what I've seen, my clinical expertise or anything, let's go to what the actual guidelines say. And I just read Mm -hmm. it pretty much verbatim, a little bit of paraphrasing there. But from that, people can make their own, you know, kind of conclusions. Um, but even then, yes, you may know what the DSM says the criteria are, but a regular person with no training cannot and should not speak on someone else's mental health. 
Um, you yeah, know, an influencer can't diagnose Kanye with bipolar. Could he exhibit um, symptoms of that uh, based on his behaviors and things that we see him do in the public? Perhaps. But we can't, we can't, and we shouldn't, we really shouldn't be using these terms because it it stigmatizes those things when people really do have something going on. Like if someone is diagnosed with bipolar, a lot of people don't know there's two types. There's type one, which is a more severe form, and there's type two. Very few people who have the diagnosis have type one. Um, but people will just use the blanket term bipolar and it's immediately associated with characters because, and when I say characters, you know, in referring to Kanye, mm-hmm. he's a celebrity. Part of his fame and how he makes his money is through controversy. So yeah. the character that he plays, we don't know how much of it is genuine and how much is, is for publicity, but when a, um, you know, so you're just, you know, talking about someone in general and they're like, oh, yeah, so and so is bipolar because of the, you know, influencers and the armchair therapists who are not qualified to speak on it, saying all these things, a real person who might get a diagnosis of bipolar, people are thinking they're, quote, crazy like Kanye because of the exactly. association. And the same thing goes with like schizophrenia um, or um, even things like ADHD, because you are can't focus one day, they're like, oh, I'm so ADHD. Or um, because you're super organized, you might say, oh, I'm so OCD about this. Those are real diagnoses. Like those are real things that people suffer with and that impact their ability to live their lives. So there's so many of those terms that are just like really flippantly thrown around and i'm glad that you spoke on that tiffany because it's um it's important but i think in the context of the judge he he handled it with finesse he said like you're you've exhibited some traits of narcissism he didn't say you Mm -hmm. have narcissistic personality disorder but he said you're narcissistic and based on you know kind of the criteria i just shared from the dsm and based on this case i i co-sign what the judge said what do you think tiffany Definitely, definitely, because he shows no empathy, no empathy. Had this really gone to the two men that he claimed attacked him, even though he hired them, he would let them. He would let them sit in jail. Mm-hmm. If the investigation, if, if, if the investigators didn't do their due di- their due diligence, excuse me, I misspoke there. Their due diligence. They would have put those two men in jail, and Jesse would have went on with his life, with his mm-hmm. entire career, with his singing career, mm-hmm. and he would have had no empathy for them. Yeah, knowing that he was the reason they were sitting in jail for however long they ended up in there. Mm-hmm. And not only that, he is allowing his family to make themselves look like they Activists. they look. I, I, I'm trying to like not, I'm trying to be nice when I say this, mm-hmm. but they look um very naive. That's what I'll go with. Mm. They look very naive in the media. Like seeing his brothers and one of his sisters, I believe it was his older sister and his older brother and his younger brother, and even his grandmother, after the sentencing yesterday, they spoke up for him. And the way they were talking, it said, I'm like he even has them bamboozled. Mm. He's making them look foolish on like on in front of all these people on television, on social media. People are just dragging his family because they are sticking by his side and they really believe his story because mm-hmm. he is sticking to the script. Despite evidence. Despite evidence. He mm-hmm. is sticking to the script. He is not changing whatsoever. Yeah. And that's what makes me believe like the traits that you talked about. Um, he, he's definitely portraying a lot of those mm-hmm. in this in this case. I'm not saying he, he is, but just based off of everything that's occurred these last few years, here we are in 2022, and he is still sticking mm-hmm. to that story. Yeah. He and, is still playing the victim. Yeah, and like what you said about, um, you know, he basically would have let those two guys be thrown under the bus. I'm sure they got some sort of charge for their role. And I don't really, 
I, I know their part in it kind of faded to the background because it was, or, you know, you kind of go to the person who orchestrated it. But mm-hmm. um, like you said, had they, say, gone down for this crime and they believed the hoax or whatever, those people's lives would have been ruined, right? Um, and you sure. got to think, too, like there's power dynamics. And based on what you're saying, I guess they were, you know, kind of like not well-known actors who, you know, saw opportunity or whatever. But for them, um, it was it was an opportunity. For him, it was, um, he had a lot more power and influence over it. Um, and so, of course, you know, everyone has free will to say like, hey, I will do that, I won't do that. That's neither here nor there. But when you're a powerful person, when you are a headliner on the show and people know you and you have a lot of money and influence, um, you got to take that into consideration. And one of the traits of narcissism that I read is that you basic, and I'm paraphrasing, you basically use people at your disposal for your own purposes. People are not humans. They are um, objects to there to serve your needs. And that was very clear here. And so, um, Tiffany, I want to get into his reaction. So we all heard, um, we all heard after the sentence was given down and he kind of, you know, he's an actor. He really did. Um, I I suppose he did his best acting, um, as he was being sentenced because his acting career is actually over because of this hoax. Um, sorry, not sorry. Um, but he was really acting in that courtroom. He really um, got performative with the Black Lives Matter, um, Black Power Fist, uh, 400 years of all of that. He really went there. And I have some thoughts. It was triggering to me. It made me really angry. What are your thoughts on that part, Tiffany? Uh, I had secondhand embarrassment. I really did. I was sitting there, you know, like when you cringe, like I, I, I had to close my eyes the first time mm-hmm. I went back to watch the clip. I literally closed my eyes and cringed. I had secondhand embarrassment. I'm like, he is really trying to make this an empire scene. Mm-hmm. I can't believe it. Like, does he realize this is his life? This is real life. Mm-hmm. And he, he's playing. He's, mm-hmm. And it was just, it was embarrassing. And it was, it kind of put me in the mind of he really does not care that he is tarnishing a whole movement. He is going to keep dragging it and dragging it till he can't anymore. Because you have people that have actually died in prison and it was framed as suicide Mm -hmm. and he's playing on that. I thought that too. I thought that too, because when he stood up, I mean, it was very abrupt. Now, maybe it was because of how they did the clip or whatever. You know, I wasn't in the courtroom seeing it in real time, but y'all heard it. Um, He very much escalated from, okay, you've been sentenced. And he's kind of just sitting there deadpan, like no emotional response to he stands up out of his chair and starts performing. When he starts saying, I'm not suicidal somebody who's say not a mental health professional or not a person of color, very sensitive to the nuances of mass incarceration in this country for folks of color and stuff like that. You might be like, well, why, why is he talking about being suicidal? This has nothing to do with what's going on. Like, I think a person who isn't, um, doesn't have like this vicarious trauma of what goes on, you know, to be in the life of a person of color, Um, or somebody who's at the margins in this country, um, they may not have caught that. But for me, one, as a mental health professional, two, as somebody very privy to the injustices going on, I mean, y'all have heard my podcast, I, I talk about this stuff, but it really angered me because when he says, I'm not suicidal, like you said, Tiffany, he's kind of it's almost like fear mongering it's like using swirling our emotions up at instances where black people have been suspiciously 
ended up dead while incarceration and it framed as a suicide, like uh, Sandra Bland comes to mind. Um, And I've, you know, watched documentaries on this thing and there's nothing about that to me that doesn't seem that she was killed and then made it to look like she hung herself. Um, So he knows that the people who are watching this, whether they're, you know, part of the movement or an ally, they're watching this and he wants to stir up our emotions of, hey, sometimes people go into law enforcement for something minor and they they don't come back out. Something tragic happens. He really rode that thing until the very end to really... Content, like he never went off script. He went off script as far as keeping his story straight, but he never went off script of being an actor. And that part really angers me because even thinking about Sandra Bland, like my, I have a physical like tingling through my body, like pain and sadness. Like I could tear up right now. The, the fact that he kept saying, I'm not suicidal. And then he stood up. You remember the part where he's like, Uh, If I am lying, that would be punching a hole into the 400 years of um, enslavement and all of this stuff. And it's like, that's exactly what you did, friend. You literally shat on like all of the progress that we've done and made us look Mm -hmm. foolish by not telling the truth. And then he did the, the, the black power as he was being taken out of the courtroom and and yelling and all of that. And I'm, it it was really performative to the end, but I was just sitting here, like you said, secondary embarrassment. Um, That was really hard to, to deal with. What, what are some additional thoughts you have, Tiffany? And also I believe in his, in his mind, I, I believe he's convinced himself of this lie. He knows it's a lie, but it's to the point now. It's like, has he convinced himself this is real? It's like it's a whole delusion. He, like you said, he until the end to saying like I'm not suicidal. I'm not suicidal because the judge asked him if he had any final remarks, and that's when he pulled down his mask and said I'm not suicidal, and then started chanting it and chanting it. And it's like he's just playing with people's mental. Like trying to like manipulate us into thinking, hold on, are they going to do something to him? Mm-hmm. Because he knows like where our thoughts will go. Like you said, Sandra Bland. We think of Sandra Bland, and he knows he knows how to. He, he's trying to play with people's minds here, and yeah. try to pull on the last bit of heartstrings he thinks he can he can pull on to make us feel bad for him. But I don't. I don't feel bad for him. But. I do, no, I won't say that. I do feel bad for him in a way where he's taken this delusion so far to the point where he's even drunk his family down. That's what's sad to me. Yeah. His his siblings' careers now, like his sister, her career has gone down since then because she's riding for her brother and people are giving her the side eye. Like, you, you got to realize it's, it's not what he's telling you. Everybody else can see it. But yeah. that's her brother. And it's sad that's that, a tough spot for her to be in. For sure. And it's sad that his family is is drugged down in the mud with him. And he really doesn't care. He doesn't care. If he cared about his family, he would just be like, Okay, I I lied. I staged this whole thing because I see that it's it's messing with my family unit unit here. They're looking foolish in the media, they're looking naive, their careers are in jeopardy. I need to quit this. The fact that he doesn't even have any concern for his family is what just baffles me. That's a, you know, when we talked about the clinical criteria for narcissism, I can speak Mm -hmm. on my experience with it in the mental health field. A narcissist is a master manipulator. um, And I have seen where they're so good at convincing those around them. And, you know, in the criteria you heard about, like the grand dose, like very inflated sense of self. When you Mm -hmm. uh, 
are able to manipulate your environment and those around you to really believe what you're saying, there is a point, I believe, where you really believe that what you're saying is true. Um, and so there's a, like you said, a delusion. There's a blurring of the lines between what's reality and what's not. Um, and that right there is the scary part because a person that people that are narcissistic tend to be in high power, high paid situations. Um, and so not only do they have this way of thinking, but they have resources that they can really wreak havoc on other people. And we saw that in this case. Um, one of the things that uh, is, I guess, a conflict for me, you know, I've uh, talked on my podcast about, you know, law enforcement and how, you know, police reform and things like that. Um, you heard in the the clip, uh, he was given or he has to pay $120,000 restitution. And I believe that is the figure that um, they've added up, like, how much did it cost for all of these investigators and stuff like that. And that's a high dollar amount, first of all. Um, but if you yeah. think about it, because he's a celebrity, it got real expensive. For an average investigation, it wouldn't have been that costly. But for him, honestly, 120000 ain't nothing. But I'm looking at that like, these were working people. These are like, now, however we feel about law enforcement, that's a conversation for another day. But these people were out here doing investigations. There were, you know, um, government resources being used, money, time, people, um, you know, whatever. It, it, people sitting, like you said, they were looking at hours and hours of footage. Like somebody sat in a chair watching video footage for nothing. Like, the, right. you know, people... And that kind of goes back to they don't care how they use people in other people's times. To them, people are disposable. They are a means to an end. They're a prop, right? And so, like, I'm looking at $120,000 restitution. Like, I have six figures of student loan debt. That right there could pay my whole thing off, and I would have some leftover. Um, that's a lot of money. But it's, it, is. It, it, it shows that you know, this sort of stuff costs money. And then I think of the bigger picture. So this this happened in Chicago. Chicago um, has a, a, a complex, you know, uh, crime um, history and things like that. There's a lot going on there. I'm just thinking like, okay, when we think of Chicago, we think of there's a it's a it's sometimes a rough place when it comes to law enforcement in certain areas living there right to me right. i'm an, i'm annoyed because jesse took $120,000 out of whatever resources were there that could have been used for somebody who say is the victim of a crime and they need to investigate it like you've taken the resources out of that in the attention for your own gains to, of course, make millions and millions of dollars off of the fame of it. Um, but not only that, someone who, say, in Chicago, who is a victim of a hate crime because they're LGBTQ plus or something like that, they now have to deal with, is somebody going to believe me because you came before me and cried wolf? That mm -hmm. That's yeah. a... A thing. So, Tiffany, speak on your thoughts about the sentencing, because I know a lot of um, a lot of back and forth and opinions are on the internet about how much time he got and stuff like that. What are your thoughts on the sentencing? I believe he received um, a, a lenient sentence. People are saying on the internet that why why would the judge sentence him to 150 months in prison? That's excessive. That's 150 not excessive. days. Yeah. 150 five, days. Five sorry, months. 150 yeah. Months. Yes. Five months. 150 days in prison, five months. That's not excessive at all. For, I believe that for setting back civil rights and um, LGBTQ rights and our conflicted relationship with law enforcement and police brutality and um, having a whole lot of people looking dumb. I think that, I mean, I agree with you. I think five months is very lenient. 
very. He threw so many people under the bus during his trial and everything. People that were like helping him out. Uh, I, I believe it was Don Lemon mm. was trying to give him a heads up, like, "Hey, they've given you the side eye. You better uh, reel it in. Tell us the truth. I'm just letting you know. Mm-hmm. They know that what you're saying isn't true. They're on to you." And he threw him under the bus in court. Mm. It's just so many nuances to this case where I believe his sentence was lenient. Mm-hmm. Five, think, five months is nothing. And I don't even know if he will actually serve He probably all won't serve months. all of that. I don't believe he will. They were already trying to, during his sentencing, the judge had said something to his attorneys and his attorney um, asked if he could diminish, like decrease the amount of time. Mm-hmm. So already they're on a crusade to decrease the amount of time he has in prison. Mm-hmm. And people are saying, uh, I believe it was his oldest brother that talked about we we need criminal justice reform. Look how they did my brother. The fact that they're still using these terms. Yeah. In this case, just it angers me. Yeah, this is not a, a case where we need criminal justice reform. He he got the sentence that he should have gotten. Mm-hmm. Granted, I think he could have got a few more days, a few more years. Yeah, <laughs> could, is, like, when I look at sentencing, and you know, I'm uh, I would say I'm a pretty liberal person, you know, um, uh, <laughs> and five months, you know, that the whole like I'm not a judge. <clears throat> I'm not a legal expert or whatever. What the judge gave, the judge gave, right? But I think for someone to say, oh, well, such and such crime had less time than that or whatever, like everything is subjective when it comes to the the law system. Like he's a wealthy exactly. person. It had, say, I did something like this, the time would have been way more, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, or he has money and power. So like that sentence was much, much less, I'm sure. But I, I just kind of have to lament for the people who are like, not only did he take up like investigation resources, but I think of like all the people whose cases are like backlogged, like the innocent people sitting in jail, waiting for their case to be heard because they have to clear the docket to do this high profile thing for someone who's been lying from the jump. I'm like thinking of the person who doesn't have those financial resources to have a good lawyer to get their stuff shortened. It's like I'm, I'm feeling that, like, like I said, I feel that tingling and that, that sense of anger and grief for like, you know, all of the emotions that were sort of like for Sandra Bland and, just all of these things. But I think of like our, you know, um, black and brown people who are incarcerated way too easily, you know, um, and for, you know, situations where they don't need to be locked up right now. Um, He's getting a little five months. I mean, there are people who are really good people who are facing way, way, way more time. They get the book thrown at them. Don't even get a fair trial. Um, don't don't even get a real investigation. Like they don't drop 120k on every investigation. Um, Definitely not. And not only that, but like people who really are the victims of hate crimes, who the 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 say there's like bias against a, a person who's trans or something like that. They're they the, the depending on what investigator you get, they may not do their best job to to investigate that. So. There's all of this stuff happening, like that kind of stirs up there. And for me, I'm like, okay, 150 days. Um, I think the real justice for me comes with um, the fact that he's going to have a significant loss to his livelihood. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I think about like, um, uh, you know, you and you and I were professionals, right? I think you're a teacher, right? So if you were to say, do something reckless, no one's going to hire you to, for education, right? Like you, as a consequence, as a natural consequence for being reckless, you would lose your reputation and therefore ability to earn income in that capacity. 
I'm a therapist. So if I go out here and do something crazy um, and ruin my reputation, my license can be taken away. And then I can't practice as a therapist. Y'all hear the dog just like really snoring in the background. He's he's in that deep sleep right now. Um, that's the comic relief. Uh, we we have him here to lighten lighten the heaviness of this topic uh, that we're talking yes. about. But you know, people, you know, when you do something wrong, you lose your livelihood. Um, at the end of the day, lawyer fees and stuff like that aside, loss of income, like he's gonna be okay. He made tons of money he made a, a a bet and a gamble to try to you know flip the situation to make more money off of it it failed um he ended up losing his job on empire um and you know the family's reputation is going to be impacted and stuff but they're still going to be okay they're still going to be comfortable and for the rest of their lives so i don't think it's that harsh five months and to him a little it's a little $120,000 restitution right like that's right. nothing for the types of money that actors bring in for me that would be life-changing I would be out here you know clicking my heels together like no student loans no debt I'd be set um right but yeah I think that the sentencing is fair so I think we're we're in agreement on that um any other like thoughts or um, things that came to mind about this case that you want to talk about? This has been a really good conversation. It really has. I just, I just appreciate your background in mental health to be able to bring that perspective to this conversation. Uh, my final thoughts. I just, I pray that at some point, he can just be honest. I, I mean, I, I that's very far-fetched. I can't see it happening. But it just makes me so angry that he set back so many people. So many people. Mm -hmm. because, because he's in a unique position where he's a, he's a man of color and he's also a gay man of color. And two groups have definitely... They've, they've been hurt by this because he's using the fact that he is a part of these two groups. He's using that to his advantage in this case. And he's said it, he said it back so far. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. And, and it's sad because when I look at comments on YouTube, like, uh, you know, trolls are in the comments and stuff. They're like, oh, this is another Jesse situation. They always, mm. they're always using that term, and that just angers me. Like to yeah. see, like them in the Maude Arbery case, when the family were they were giving their final statements and the trial, to see somebody comment, oh, here we go, Jesse Pierce. Wow. Are you serious? I was so hurt when I when I read that comment. I said, the impact. Mm -hmm. He he wanted a different. He was trying to cut with this whole scheme. He thought it was going to have a different impact, mm -hmm. but the impact that he had is so negative. He was trying to have like you know a positive spin to it. Like he yeah. he came out and then rose above the mm -hmm. hate crime and to bring people together. I but think the that's damage, the twisted thinking. It, it undid so much like valid work, and <clears throat> it's kind of that thing yeah. of you know someone is representing you even though you didn't sign up for them to represent you right so like right because of your fame because you are in a position of privilege where people can see you and all of that like i said in the beginning you have that responsibility heavy is that's the quote that's the saying i was thinking heavy is the head that wears the crown um which side note if you actually watch empire i'm pretty sure that was a song um by that character on the show that's very meta um the fans of empire will know what i'm talking about um but yes. uh you know you you have that on you and so when you it's it's just the it's the damage and it's the it's the havoc that's left behind it's just a 
nobody right. feels like it can't it can't sit good and um you know i don't i don't think we'll on this side of things we'll see a confession or because at this point what is the point like what would be the point of telling the truth like you're going to serve the time you're going to pay the restitution it is what it is like um will we see him appeal and continue to make himself relevant through this absolutely um but will we ever get the truth no but i mean i i mean the criminal justice system is very flawed but i i think you know there's some element of justice um here and um you know based on whatever your belief is of what happens after we're done living on this earth uh, I believe that there's going to be some accountability there, too, because uh, there is truth and false in every situation. So the mm -hmm. truth, um, you know, while you and I can see what we perceive the truth to be um, at the end of the day, he has to figure out, OK, was this true? Was this false? And whoever he's accountable to will have to to handle that with him. But um at least nobody was like actually really hurt in this other than the taxpayers and, you know, exactly. hurt physically. But a lot of us were hurt emotionally, socially, um, um, and in many other ways for other things that are very important and that we need to work on. So <sighs> that's a mess. But I appreciate yeah. you talking with me, Tiffany. Same. I definitely appreciate this conversation. Yes. Because when you reached out to me yesterday about it, I was, I was like, yes, because I wanted to do an episode, but it felt like it needed to be an episode where I could have an open dialogue with somebody mm -hmm. else. Like I couldn't just talk about it, just me. I was thinking so, the same thing. I was like, I can't talk about this by myself. It'll just be rambling. But when I when I saw the like, I knew what the outcome was, because um, my wife had showed me something she saw on social media after it happened. But I read the New York Times. So um, when I actually saw like the actual article about it, and I saw like the video with the actual sentencing, like, you know, how black people we get excited, we start like rocking in our chair, like rolling, like we're about to jump up and fight. That's literally yeah. what I was doing. And I'm like, let me text Tiffany. Let me figure out how to talk about this on the podcast because I I feel some kind of way. And so I'm glad that that ended up working out where our schedules lined up and we were able to to talk about this because um, this is going to be I, I think this is going to be one of those moments where it's a teachable moment, despite the fact that it's not a teachable moment in that like, oh, someone was the victim of a hate crime and they over overcame and rose above it or whatever. It's going to be like, hey, wait a second. Crappy things do happen in the world, but we need to come correct because we don't have that privilege of, you know, playing games. Right. Exactly. Um, Making a mockery. Yeah. It's already too hard to get people to listen to us. We don't have time to sit around and play games. And when somebody does play games, they should be held accountable for that. Um, Most definitely. So that's how I'm feeling. But anyway, thank you so much for your time, uh, Tiffany. Um, and this is going to be available on both of our podcasts. So uh, for listeners of uh, my podcast, um, be sure to check out uh, Truth Talks with Tiff uh, anywhere you can find a podcast. Um, and um, Tiffany, go ahead and, and talk to your listeners, too, as we sign off here. Thank you for tuning into this episode. Thank you, John Zell, for joining me and this discussion please make sure you check out john zell's podcast it's available on all platforms where you can listen to podcasts it's perfectly imperfect podcast please please check out his podcast yes if you search john zell j-o-h-n-z like zebra e-l-l-e -L -L -E, that's the easiest way to find it because there's a couple of podcasts called perfectly imperfect but if you search for my name it's it pops up so Thank you, Tiffany. If you enjoyed this episode, you can support this podcast by buying me a coffee. The link is in this episode's show notes. Thanks in advance. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast. And best of all, it's free.
They offer creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor also distributes your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, and many more. Did I mention that you can make money from your podcast no matter the size of your following? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today.